Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sanders Facts. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the latest edition of the Xander Specs Podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander. It is Wednesday, May 31st, the final day of May in 2023, and it is episode 107 of the podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. We have got a ton of facts to get to you this week because, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you all know this, but the end of the NBA season is nigh Because the NBA Finals start on Thursday, tomorrow, the day after this podcast comes out. So I brought on my Xander's Facts NBA analyst, Hillbilly, because we recapped everything that's gone on in the NBA playoffs so far. We previewed the finals. Oh yeah, we had a lot of facts to talk about. So I'm just going to get straight to them. But before we do, I just wanted to remind you all that if you like the Xander's Facts podcast, if you think you're going to like all the facts on this week's edition, remember to follow the podcast, download this episode, rate and review the podcast. Check us out on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Xander's Facts, that is Xander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, we like to call it around here, spread the facts! Sanders Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, about the newsletter, Sanders Weekend Facts. It comes out every Sunday morning. It's a recap of the week's top headlines. Check it out. And then we've also got the Sanders Facts link tree. That has all these Sanders Facts links that you need. Episode 107 is a NBA Finals preview. Denver Nuggets, Miami Heat. Oh my gosh. You all don't need the perspective of a Celtics fan, Bill Simmons, okay? We need the perspective of a Giannis fan, as in Hillbilly, and a Heat fan, as in Xander. And that's what we brought to you all on this week's pretty fact-filled podcast, y'all. There's a lot of facts. And also, I mean, listen, at the end, we make our predictions for the finals, so you're not going to want to miss it. But also, at the very end of this podcast, they make a special announcement about next week's podcast, which is episode 108. That is coming out next week, but it's not coming out on Wednesday of next week. So if you want to know when it's coming out next week, stay till the end of the podcast because I announce when it is coming out next week and it's going to have a lot of facts. So you're not going to want to miss it. So stay till the very end because we got a lot of big facts, but you know what? We got a lot of facts on this week's podcast. So let's get straight to it. Let's get to our Xander's Facts NBA Finals preview in 2023 with our Xander's Facts NBA analyst, Hillbilly. That is next as the Xander's Facts podcast continues. Xander's Facts. All right, welcome back. Xander's Facts, episode 107. We are feeling pretty good on this podcast, aren't we, Hillbilly? Pretty good. It's nice to uh, be here with the Heat's newest fan. You're spreading lies. Well, no. Yeah, mm, that was a couple weeks ago. Okay, at at what point did you become a fan again? (laughs) <laughs> after they beat the Bucks. Oh, okay. I thought uh, that it was tentative at that point. No, it, after they beat the Bucks, I was all in, let me tell you. It was tentative when I was before the series. But deep, well, I, I, first off, I've always been a Heat fan. Deep down, I just had to go down there and find it. Find my mm-hmm. fandom. And you know what I did? So, there you go. What are you talking about? You found it somewhere deep down in the heat culture. That's right. I found your fandom once again. 
Yes. Indeed. Well, heat culture is alive and well, and it's going to be fun to talk about. Let me tell you, the Miami Heat are the NBA Finals, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if y'all watched that game Monday night against the Boston Celtics, Game 7. We're going to talk about it, though. It was pretty good. Heat represent the East in the Finals. But we've also got the Denver Nuggets coming out of the West into the Finals. And so the NBA playoffs, they've lasted for a month and a half now, and we're finally getting to the final round between the Heat and the Nuggets. The playoffs, I thought, have been great so far. I think you would absolutely agree with me, Hillbilly. All three rounds, we've had exciting storylines, entertaining matchups, great games. Now we're down to the final two, the Nuggets and the Heat. And we're going to talk about them. We're going to preview the finals, but we're also going to do a little recap of what's happened so far in the NBA playoffs. And for that, we're going to start in the Western Conference on the left side of the bracket. If you look at the bracket, the Western Conference is on the left side. So we're going to start with the left side, and we're going to talk about the Western Conference finals a lot and the two teams. And one of those teams was obviously the Denver Nuggets. But the team we're going to start with, Hillbilly, was the Los Angeles Lakers. ESPN was very, well, they like talking about the Los Angeles Lakers after the Nuggets swept them because obviously they have LeBron James and LeBron James decided to make some noise, Hillbilly, after game four. Immediately after getting his butt kicked, he could not let Denver have the spotlight for a single second because that is LeBron James. And he did some nonsense talk that not a single person on earth believed where he said he was contemplating retirement. We know that when LeBron James retires, it's going to be like a three-year saga of him doing victory laps around every stadium or every arena in the league just to make sure that it is the most celebrated event in sports history. There's no way he goes out like this, plus the fact that he's actually still playing pretty well. Mm -hmm. You thought Coach K's um, year was bad not even close not Not even even close close. Uh, but besides all that let's talk about how they got to the western conference finals hibbley they had that first round series that we did talk about on this podcast against the grizzlies the grizzlies definitely flamed out the lakers totally dominated them in most of those games of course we now know that uh, some of the players on the grizzlies may have been otherwise occupied as you would like to put yeah, yeah. John Morant obviously kind of didn't have his head in it. His numbers were okay, but you know, he's the leader of the team. And when the leader of the team is that distracted, they just they just kind of fell apart. I mean, they shot 40.2%, not 42%, which would have been horrible. They shot 40.2%, which is ghastly, even more horrible. Yikes. Um, I mean, that's just awful for a team with that much offensive firepower to do that poorly. I mean, the Lakers defense is legit. It, it was up until the, the Nuggets beat them, the Lakers had the best defense in the playoffs and were really cooking. But still, that was a really poor performance from the Grizzlies. And what a turn for Grizzly fans. You know, halfway through the season, I, you had to just be completely excited. Maybe Grizzly fans had the most reason to be excited about the future than anyone else in the league. You know, just an incredibly young team, all their draft picks still, young stars coming into their own, already overachieving. You know, they were, I think they were second in the West for most of the year. 
um, if they didn't dip into first for a little while. And then all of a sudden, everything starts to fall apart with John Morant, and it just bled right through to the playoffs, and they could not have picked a worse opponent in a veteran-tested, steady team like the Lakers um, to just completely take take advantage of the turmoil, and that's how you wind up shooting 40% in the playoffs. It was rough. Then the Lakers, after they took care of the Grizzlies, went to Golden State, took on the defending champion Warriors in what I thought was going to be another seven-game series. The Warriors, we talked about their series with the Kings, and now the Kings made this grand return to the playoffs after, what was it, the longest playoff drought in, in the top four sports in North America active. And they come back, and they have that seven-game series, and Steph Curry really, you know, was playing what did you say, Hobel? You said he was playing the best of his career, I believe. Yeah, he was. Well, I think he was. I think he was. He was shouldering the entire load. And then they run into the Lakers. Curry played fine, I thought, but it's just the players around Steph Curry weren't up to the task. Yeah, there. It was surprising to hear today that their general manager is leaving, Bob mm-hmm. Myers, who is. Uh, he's on the very short list of the greatest general managers in the sport. I mean, there's, you know, he's tied for first with a bunch of, you know, a couple, not a bunch, but a couple of other general managers. And for him to leave, he's only 48 years old. So it's not like he's retiring. He's going somewhere else, obviously. I think that the writing's on the wall right now for the Warriors that they're probably going to have to take it apart. So sad. And, you know, they're paying a lot of money for players that aren't producing anymore. I mean, Clay Thompson, it's it's sad to see, you know, I mean, I guess it's hard to feel too sorry for him. But, you know, but he has fallen off a cliff, you know, in that series against the Lakers, he only shot 38 percent from the field. We just got done talking about how bad 40 percent was and 38 percent. is just abysmal. And, you know, his defense has also suffered a lot recently. So he's not out there for his defense anymore. He can't play offense. And they have a lot of money tied up into him and Jordan Poole who, you know, Jordan Poole plays no defense. So if he is not providing a lot of offensive firepower, then he is just a waste of space out there. And he only shot 25% from three, which is, you know, again, really, that's Giannis like numbers. Like if Giannis probably, I haven't looked at it, but he probably shot around 25% from three. You know, that's just, that's that bad. And then Draymond is, you know, I know... But I, from the eye test, he he showed better than this, but he did have the worst plus minus in the series, and he really is is starting to look slow. Curry had to do it all by himself, and you know Curry looked really good. They still held him to below his his average in three point shooting, but I think that was because he had to shoot so many contested shots. You know, and he still shot 34%. But yeah, I, you know, things are not on the upswing for the Warriors right now. That's sad. Giannis shot 27.5% from three. So, and Giannis is maybe the best defensive player in the league, whereas <laughs> Jordan Poole is right up there with Trey Young as the worst mm. defensive player in the league. That's sad. Let me tell you the Warriors. It, 
you have to feel bad for him, Hillbilly. Well, I, mean, I do. Only- I do respect what they did, though. I mean, they tried to thread the needle. They tried to do this thing where hand off from one dynasty to another, and it just that is really hard to do. It didn't work, and they had what four championships? I know only four. That's pretty good. Only That's pretty four. good. <laughs> So, and they'll be back, but it was, it was interesting to see Bob Myers leaving today. That was a sad day for Golden State. Yeah. So the, so those are the two teams that the Lakers face in the early rounds. Let's go over to the other team in the Western conference though, the Nuggets who really took care of the Timberwolves. I believe it was the gentleman's sweep, the four one. Yeah. That was kind of, you know, pretty easy. And then the Suns, who. Remember back at the trade deadline, we were talking about, you know, they got Kevin Durant, of course, and we're like, oh my gosh, this team with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul. And it's pretty disappointing to see him go out in the second round. And you really didn't think that they were, they had a chance in that series. No, I don't think they did have a chance, but I'm not really surprised. I wasn't really surprised by either one of those. I mean, the Nuggets are a very solid, steady team. They've had that core together for years and years now. They know what they're doing. They have the ultimate like offensive kind of lubricant for the whole machine in Jokic, where he just it's so hard to shut him down. But you know, I think we got confirmation that this crazy experiment with Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert is just not going to work. And I think they're I think they're probably going to have to move Towns uh this year cuz I just don't it it just he was horrible out there. You know, he was the negative 9.2 in his plus minus, which is about as bad as you're going to see in the playoffs. He can't play with Gobert. He can't stick to the outside so everything's clogged up in the middle. But you know, it was a just a, a poor showing for the Timberwolves, unfortunately. And then the Suns, I don't know. I mean, what did you expect to happen with the Suns? Well, at the when they made the trade back then, I thought they were going to be one of the top contenders in the West. And then Duran only played a couple games. And coming into the series, I thought the Nuggets, I picked the Nuggets to win, obviously. So not much, but they just, I don't know. They just didn't really feel like they ever had a chance. Well, I, th- I, I think when I, you know, at the trade deadline, when they got to Ram, you know, one of the things that I think we talked about was they're not ready. Like a team like that needs another year to get guys around your core. And you just did not have anybody else around Durant and Booker to really help. Chris Paul did, you know, what he consistently does every playoffs and that's get hurt and whine about it quit whining deandre ayton you know he had the unenviable task of trying to guard Jokic, and i think what we saw with phoenix is going to be telling with the miami series with denver because it's going to be interesting to see how they handle Jokic. the suns tried single coverage on Jokic a lot with deandre ayton and Jokic responded with one of the best playoff series we've ever seen. I mean, he shot, he's, he scored 34 and a half points per game on the most efficient shooting we have ever seen for somebody, at least in the modern era, for somebody scoring that high volume. 
Normally, volume shooters don't get anywhere near 60%. That's people standing in the dunker spot that can do that. He, you know, he shot 59.4% from the field, almost 45% from three point, 45%. And and you, we all saw some of the shots he was taking, whether it is a half court one or a falling backwards, not even looking at the rim. Like he just, he has an incredibly soft touch. Excellent free throw shooter too. You know, he averaged a healthy triple-double, 13.2 rebounds, 10.3 assists. That's, I think, what happens when you don't orient your entire defense around stopping Jokic. He will do that to you. And you can't, that's death. When somebody scores 34 and a half points on that kind of efficiency, it just, you it's almost impossible to overcome that. The Suns, on the other hand, like they just haven't had time to get players around them yet. I mean, they only had, well, the Nuggets had six players average double figures that series. The Suns only had three. They had Booker and Durant, and DeAndre Ayton barely scored in double figures with 10.8 a game while he was getting his butt kicked all over the floor by Jokic. They really just didn't have anybody else that they could throw out there. But you give them another year. You let them use the mid or the um, the exceptions to the salary cap that they'll be able to use. Start to bring in some guys that are ring chasing to just fill out that roster a little bit. You've got probably the best two man team in the league, or at least up right up there. You know, with um, Durant and um, Booker. You know, we'll see. I don't think we know yet who their coach is going to be, but we'll we'll find no, out. No, it looks like it's down to. Doc Rivers, Frank Vogel, and Kevin Young as of Tuesday night. So we'll yeah. see. But I absolutely think they can. You look at the, just as an organization, the Suns, and they have the new owner who made, the first thing he did was made the Durant trade. So you're like, this is a guy who wants to win. He's, what he's done with the television contract or what he's tried to do. I I. Definitely think they could. They could build around those two and, um, you know, definitely go and compete next year. Yeah. I mean, the guy looks like he's willing to spend money. I mean, he seems a little active, which is sometimes not a good thing from a owner, you know, being a former fan of the Washington football team, I had to suffer with an active owner who sucked on the money, you know, but <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you know, he he had a great opportunity that happened right when he bought the team to acquire Kevin Durant. It's not like he did anything extraordinary to make that happen. It kind of fell into his lap. But I mean, heck, that's a great omen to start on, you know, is landing someone like Durant to pair with someone like Booker, who, you know, Durant during that series, I thought did not look himself. I thought he was still recovering from the injury. Um, he played okay, but but Booker looked just phenomenal. He was guarded very, very well on that series, and he still looked just great. Uh, but I think you know the Suns, they're going to be back, and they're, they're going to be a top contender next year. All right. So then you get to the Western Conference Finals, and it's the Lakers and the Nuggets. The Nuggets, so they won their series, the Timberwolves 4-1. They won their series with the Suns 4-2. So you'd be like, oh, well, it's going to be a seven-game series. Turned out it wasn't, though, because L.A. put up some close games, absolutely, but Denver just did enough in the end. And I think 
Jokic was obviously the best player in that series, but it was because he had Jamal Murray with him, who has been on fire in these playoffs. And when you look at the Nuggets from last year compared to this year, and the addition of the guys around Jokic, a bit like Murray and Porter Jr., and you can see why the Nuggets are in the finals, because Jamal, Jamal Murray especially, but Michael Porter Jr. too, have been outstanding. Yeah, Michael Porter Jr., he... You know, his scoring's actually down a bit, but he has been playing fantastic defense, which is a massive triumph for Malone. You know, I've been watching a lot of Nuggets basketball because of Jokic over the last several years, and things were not always good between Porter Jr. and their coach, Mike Malone. And there were a lot of times where it, it, I worried that Porter Jr. was going to ask for a trade out. Um, just because they would have these blowups where he was trying to get Porter Jr. to play defense and calling him on it. And it has worked. Porter Jr. is now a good defender, which is scary because he's 6'10, you know, and mm-hmm. a small forward. Like that's just such a massive advantage for them now. And he's still just shooting incredibly from behind the three. But, you know, I think what really happened with that Lakers team. Or that Lakers series, you know, we got a demonstration of, you know, with the Suns, you know, we we've realized that you you can't just single cover Jokic. You have to shade your entire defense towards him. And then when the Lakers do that and they figure out a way to at least hassle Jokic into relatively inefficient numbers, you know, they they hit on that where they have either Hachimura or LeBron playing Jokic with Anthony Davis basically double teaming him the entire time. And Anthony Davis is a you know in the very very top group of interior defenders in the NBA. And while that managed to make Jokic slightly inconsistent, I mean I think he still averaged a triple double. Nice. It let Murray just absolutely explode. You know, he scored 32 and a half points per game. His shooting percentages for a guard he shot 52.7% from the field, which is just crazy for a point guard. You know, over 40% from three, 95%. So he did that, or 95% from the free throw line. So he got that, you know, 50, 40, 90 club that, you know, a lot of statisticians look at. Just, you know, really an incredible job by Murray. And that's what happens when the defense completely focuses on Jokic like that. And, you know, the Nuggets, they had five players average over 40% from three because they were wide open because everybody was covering Jokic and Jokic will get them the ball. You know, it's, I think that's about as good a defense set up to handle the Nuggets as we're going to see. And, you know, the, the Lakers were game. They, they played really hard. I think LeBron played 47 minutes and 50 seconds of the last game that did not go into overtime. Mm-hmm. So he played all but 10 seconds of that game. But, you know, at the end, he, he, was, he was spent, obviously. But just a really, really solid, impressive performance from the Nuggets. Yeah. So assuming LeBron stays, which I think everybody's assuming. But what do you think about um, the future of the Lakers? Because LeBron is another year older. Anthony Davis... Managed to stay healthy throughout the playoffs. 
And it was kind of like we talk about with Miami with guys like Austin Reeves. You're like, you watch the playoffs and you're like, who is Austin yeah. Reeves? He's going off for the Lakers. Of, of course, if yeah. you watched Lakers during the season, you wouldn't know who Austin Reeves is. But yeah, but he he was he was good. But he the fact that he continued it off into the playoffs. Yeah, that's that guy. Wow. I mean, what a what a find for the Lakers for a team that, you know, normally just does one stupid thing after another. They drafted very well with him. Uh, so what do you think? I don't know. Next year, what's the trajectory of this team? Was this their last best chance to win a championship with this core? I think it probably is because I think they're going to do something stupid. If they if they played smart, I think that they could have another shot at it. But they're not. They're going to do something stupid. They're going to take a lot of these players that they got around the uh the trade deadline that really helped propel them, you know, into this really remarkable run that they had. I mean, if you remember, we were talking earlier in the season about them being a lottery team. Oh yeah. And then, you know, there they are in the conference finals. That's, that's pretty remarkable. And it says a lot about LeBron James doing that, you know, 38 years old. But I think what they're probably going to do is to take those good players that they fell into at the trade deadline and pack them together in a nice little package for Kyrie Irving and just blow the team up again and get them right back into the same spot that they were with Russell uh, Westbrook. It just didn't work. And I just, I'm afraid they're going to do something stupid like that. Get ready. Plus, I mean, one of the things that's been enjoyable about these playoffs is that people have been relatively healthy. Like I, mm-hmm. I, and this is obviously a died in the wool Giannis fan saying this. So it's <laughs> it sucked what happened to Giannis, but generally speaking, I mean Embiid basically made it through the playoffs, healthy, which doesn't really happen. Anthony Davis did, which never happens. So that that's been a, a nice kind of you know trend in the playoffs here. But as far as the Lakers go, like can you count on that happening again next year? Mm. I know LeBron has been whining about his foot for the last couple of months. And even despite seeing the LeBron James of foot doctors, you know, just couldn't get it fixed. But, you know, those things are just going to happen to him probably every year now. And Anthony Davis going through the playoffs healthy. I don't know that you can count on that happening again. I think this was really their best shot and they, they took their best shot. They just ran up against the team that was too good. Yeah, a team that's going to the NBA Finals for the first time in franchise history, Hillbilly. I got a quick little game for you because it's the first time the Nuggets are in the Finals ever, 40-something years as a franchise. There's only five teams, five active franchises that have never made the NBA Finals. Can you name all five? Good question. That have never made the NBA Finals? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Timberwolves? Yes. Um, the Grizzlies? Mm-hmm. Um, let me think here for a second. (laughs) (laughs) A few moments later. Uh, the Hawks? No. They did. Okay. Um, Clippers? Yes. The Pacers? No. They have. One in the East, one in the West. Oh, the, the, whatever, the, whatever it is in Charlotte. Whatever you want to call them. (laughs) The Hornets, the Bobcats, whatever. I don't think anywhere in their history have they been successful. Yeah. 
And then the team that's linked with them. Oh, the Pelicans. Yeah. Yeah. Five teams that had never made the finals, all of whom were founded after 1988, except for the Clippers, who have been a franchise for 53 years. Yes, 53 rather more abundant years. <laughs> but I do think they're in better shape these days than oh, they were. So. Okay. After our little game there, let's go to the East and talk about the team that's going to face the Nuggets in a second, which are the Heat. Good to know. But first, the team that played them in the Eastern Conference Finals were the Celtics. Celtics started off their playoffs against the Hawks, and they had a bit of trouble with the Hawks, who were the seventh seed. And I think we kind of dismissed it at the time, but maybe we shouldn't have. Yeah, it was that demonstration of the Celtics inconsistency that just drives Celtic fans insane. The Hawks were a 500 team. The Celtics should have just swept them immediately. They should, I mean, players like Jason Tatum should play Trey Young right off the court in the playoffs. Like he should be hunting him over and over and over again and just running him ragged. And they just, didn't really have that. They they wound up bludgeoning them to death and winning by sheer talent. But four games to two is not really the best record on a two-seven series like that. You know, second seed versus a seven seed. Mm-hmm. They should have been doing better than that. Um, and I, I think it was kind of a sign of things to come. Then you get to the 76ers series, and obviously they're playing the MVP of the league, but they go down 3-2 in that series, and they have to win a game in Philadelphia which they do, and then they have to win another Game 7. And it was like, you know, that's a series that I think on paper looks better than it was watching it. I I don't know about you, but I I did not really enjoy watching that series that much. I didn't think either team was really playing very good basketball. but No, well, I think when you look at it in context with all the other series that were going on, I think Warriors-Lakers kind of took up all the energy of that round. And so the Heat and the Knicks, I thought, was another was a compelling series, but the basketball wasn't. It was kind of we talked about it, it was reminiscent of what you'd see 20 years ago, kind of. Yeah. And so I think that those two series kind of took away from the Sixers and the Celtics. Also, the fact that game seven was a blowout. So, yeah, um, Tatum didn't really have the best series. He was fine, but he wasn't outstanding. Embiid was horrible, which was really sad to see, but he had an awful series. Horford really deserves a lot of credit for what happened with Embiid. Um, He really had a great series defensively. But, you know, we have the newly minted MVP, the player that is, at least by the vote count, clearly better than Nikola Jokic. You know, and instead, he goes out and he scores. It's 25 points per game. On bad efficiency, 42% for a center field goal percentage is not good. 20% from the three-point line. I mean, Giannis looks like Steph Curry compared to him. And I hate that we use Giannis as the metric for bad shooting, but, you know, I think it's unfortunately deserved. Whoops. But Embiid was awful. I mean, he, he was, he just had a horrible series as a team, you know, that, Philly is a team that should be shooting very well from three-point percentage. You've got James Harden, one of the best shooters ever. You've got Tyrese Maxey, one of the very best young shooters in the league. He's always 
right around the top percentage. You've got a center that can typically hit the three. And as a team, they only shot, they only made a third of their threes, 33.3%. Just uninspired basketball. I really was not surprised that Doc Rivers got canned immediately afterwards. It just, I didn't really find it to be inspired basketball, unfortunately. Well, you know, they traded in a doc for a nurse. Wow. They did. They did, which I think is trading up. So, hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. I mean, they've definitely got the talent and the MVP. Well, so. I do. They, I don't know. I don't know what in the world Harden's going to do next year. And, you know, we talked about counting on certain players to remain healthy. It, this was your year with Embiid and Harden. And, they didn't get it done. I don't know that you're going to get that again, you know, or at least you can't count on it happening every year. And if Harden goes to Houston, which doesn't make any sense on any <laughs> planet, it's just, it's the craziest thing in the world. It's the last thing on earth Houston needs is James Harden coming to just teach all the young kids where, you know, the strip clubs are and how not to play defense. That's right. That's right. Like it's going to, and they were a mess last year, but that is just going to doom Houston to mediocrity. But, you know, they're not going to have him on the Sixers. I, I don't know. I I don't know how good, how good a shape they're going to be in, but I think nurse is a great coach though. Yeah. Well, those are the Celtics. Those are the first two rounds. Then they made the Eastern conference finals. Oh my gosh. We're going to talk about that series. Then let's get to the team that is making the NBA Finals, the Miami Heat. We can kind of skim through this, Hillbilly, because I know you're you're still, <laughs> it's emotional. This is true. Well, except that the Heat just deserve a massive amount of credit for that. Ugh. Because, you know, they, they caught the Bucks feeling sorry for themselves, and they just brutally murdered them in public. <laughs> you know? I mean, it was just absolutely no sympathy. At all for, for, you know, the Bucks losing Giannis and the Bucks were playing like they expected sympathy. It was an horrible defensive game or defensive series. I mean, the Bucks came in, I think pretty much like them and the Cavaliers were always tossing one and two, but I think most people thought that the Bucks probably had the best defense and they were going up against one of the worst offenses in the heat, you know, at least the regular season heat. And they allowed 124 points a game, which is just stratospheric. Their defense completely collapsed. I do. I think they just felt sorry for themselves. I don't think Budenholzer was capable of changing anything to adjust. Like once Giannis was out, it was just kind of like, well, I'm out of ideas. Like that was kind of my idea. I was going to let Giannis kick everybody's butt. (laughs) And then when that didn't happen, they just completely fell apart. And the heat just completely totally took advantage of the situation as they should and really showed a lot of just, they wanted it so much more. And Jimmy Butler started showing playoff Jimmy again. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I'll, I'll give Budenholzer some slack because he was going through some major family issues during that series. But as we know, that's um, his lack of adjusting was not solely in that series. So they fired him. And I wanted to get your thoughts on their new coach, the Raptors, the former Raptors assistant, Adrian Griffin. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's really tough to tell with assistant coaches unless you really 
have some kind of connection with the team. You know, he was an assistant coach in Toronto under Nick Nurse, under Nick Nurse. I feel like the Bucks could have had Nurse if they had wanted him, and they chose his assistant instead, which is kind of interesting. But, you know, part of the process was Giannis meeting with the coach to see how he liked him, because obviously the Bucks have to make Giannis very happy, <laughs> which I, I don't think that's such a great idea, because I don't know how qualified Giannis is to pick a head coach. But, you know, that's what they do. So, you know, hopefully he's hopefully he's really good. Yeah. Um, it's just tough to see. Well, ne- according at least according to Woj in this ESPN article, Nurse was one of three finalists, and the other was Kenny Atkinson, who was has been right. a head coach. He's the with the Warriors right now. Yeah. But that is interesting because Nurse was fired, obviously. And so they take his assistant instead when they probably could have had nurse. I think they probably could have. And I really was hoping they would get nurse. I, you know, I think, and we're going to get into this in a little bit with the Celtics, but I think that, um, you know, one of the things that happened is they, they took a team that was primed and ready to win a championship and they put a brand new rookie head coach in charge of it. And I don't understand why that's a good idea. I know sometimes it works, but I, I don't know. It just seems like not the best idea in the world. We'll talk about them, yeah. the Celtics. But then we got the Heat and the Knicks. And as I said, that was kind of reminiscent of a bygone era in the league. of <laughs> Not as much uh, scoring because the Heat, um, as you note, only shot 42.5% from the field. But they really handled the Knicks. They won game one. They lost game two because Jimmy Butler didn't play. But I feel like even when the series was 1-1, it looked like Miami was just in control. Yeah, they figured out how to slow down Brunson enough. And I think that was just kind of all they really needed to do. And, you know, they didn't, They I don't think the Heat had a particularly great series. But they just, they win the plays that matter. Like they are collectively smart enough to know like when you have to win, like, you know, which plays you really have to put all the effort into and it works. So I just want to move past that because we got to talk about this Eastern conference final series. I mean, listen, the first two rounds of the playoffs were amazing. And I think the NBA with the ratings and the viewership, like at decades, long highs, the NBA was feeling pretty good about themselves. And then we get to the conference finals and both series are at 3-0. And we're looking mm-hmm. at for the first time ever, both series going being sweeps. And I think the NBA was nervous a little bit. And the Nuggets didn't help them, but the Celtics did. The Heat were up 3-0 in the series and the Celtics won three straight. Just the fourth team ever to do that. And they were looking to become the first team ever to win a series in the NBA after they were down 3-0. And then Monday night happens, Game 7. Memorial Day, by the way. America! But, um, I don't know. How would you describe that series, Hillbilly? Because it, was, it, was, uh, it wasn't looking good, and then Games 4 through 7 happened. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was un- pretty unbelievable. I mean, it just... I didn't think the Celtics had it in had it in them. You know, give them credit for for getting back into it. But you know, and this is I'm sorry to offend your newfound 
heat sensibilities, but the Celtics are a vastly more physically talented team than the Heat. Police. I mean, they should just run them right off the floor, but they're just, that's not everything, you know? And they did, they, you know, to quote Charles Barkley, like during the halftime of that last game, <laughs> like I am sick of watching those stupid Celtics. I think he called them stupid like five times because they don't do anything. They don't run any plays. They just dribble the ball up and shoot a contested three over and over. And they don't even, they don't run as they don't run screens. They don't run anything. I mean, at one point, I don't know if you saw this, but Jalen Brown, who was in the midst of one of the worst series ever, he had his shot blocked by Duncan Robinson. I a, did see that. A oh three-pointer. Three he had a three-pointer <laughs> blocked by Duncan Robinson, who is a defensive liability. Yes. You know, like it's just, it's like they just didn't care or they were just so exhausted because of that, you know, Sixers uh, series that they well, had. Even in the first half of that game seven, what they went over 10 for three. Over 12. They started over like, 12. They just kept shooting it. And it's like, you're not yeah. making anything. Well, because, you know, you, you get the uh, presser afterwards with Missoula just saying, well, we just didn't make the shots. You know, it's like, a, that. it's all it is. Like you just, it's, you, it's a make or miss league and that's all it is, which kind of begs the question, like, well, what do they need him for then? If the, I mean, if his whole strategy is to just let them dribble up and shoot a three, like you don't need a coach. Don't yeah. pay him. Give me the money. Get that dough. If I was a Celtics fan, why not? But I'm still pissed at Joe Missoula. Like his one word answers in the, uh, you know, between quarters and his little quips during the uh press conferences like yeah you have you're not greg popovich you haven't done anything no it's and just i he just it's like i think he's fig- he he believes that he has figured out that it's just a math problem you just get up more threes and you will win but you know that having an actual flow to your offense having players stepping into good looks on threes that the whole team feels good about because they work to make them happen um you know, those are things that can bump up your three point percentage. You know, they, the, the Celtics, this game six and game seven were the two worst shooting percentages that the Celtics had all year. They were the worst and the second worst. They had those back to back in the playoffs. That is not a coincidence. It's not just because, as Joe Missoula said, they were just missing the shots. It's because the Heat had completely figured out what they were doing. Not that it was difficult. They, the Heat figured out all we have to do is play a relatively simple zone. And the Celtics have no chance of figuring it out. Absolutely no chance. You know? They showed that graphic uh, during Game 7 where the Heat, when they were playing zone and defense, and the numbers were great for the Heat yeah. defensively. Yeah. and it. It just goes to show, and you know, like it's it's easy to pile on Missoula because I think he just made mistake after mistake after mistake. Like when you realize that you are not shooting, you need to switch. He needed to get Robert and Grant Williams out there more. And if it's going to be an ugly game, then let me get my players that can just brutalize you out there. You know, like Grant and Robert Williams. Instead, he just kept throwing it out there over and over and over again, the same thing. 
And, you know, I think it reflects in the attitudes that the players have and how you have Jalen Brown just having an unbelievably awful series. You know, in game seven, he made eight field goals and he had eight turnovers. Fact nugget. Like that should not happen from your second best player. That's that's incredible. Over the course of the series, he shot 16.3% from the three-point line. It's like we've had a descending order of suckiness as we've talked about the three-point shooting and, and problems the teams have had and mm-hmm. you know how bad 25% was for uh pool and you know how bad 20% was for Embiid. And here you have Jalen Brown just laughing at those numbers. You know, I can do so much worse than that. <laughs> 16%. That is Giannis shoots almost twice as good as that. I mean, it's just, it's incredible wow. to see it happen. He just completely lost confidence. I know he had hurt his hand earlier. I wonder if that had something to do with it, but just, they did not look ready to go at all. And it's, 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 it's the frustration on the part of Boston fans has to be exacerbated by the fact that Jimmy Butler looked like he was pretty much spent in the last several games. He really didn't look like he had his legs under him anymore. He was really picking his spots more, but they could not take advantage of it. Yeah. And they were, they were lucky to win that game six. They were as as lucky as you can possibly get. Like if you watch and, you know, obviously we're talking about the Derek White tip, which was, I didn't even notice it happened when it happened. I don't know if you, I, I, my, I, I, as soon as the ball clanked off, I thought it was over and Derek White, like if you watch the, the replays of that tip in that White had, you know, first of all, White was supposed to be up in the corner to be basically stretching the defense. Like he's probably not going to get the ball. He's just stretching the defense up in the corner, but he just slithers in perfectly gets right in the right spot for the putback on. um, I think it was uh, who shot the three. It was smart. I think smart. It was Marcus smart because they, the heat did a very good job of denying Tatum and Brown. So that's why it went to smart and he misses and white got, if you watch the replay, if that ball had bounced in any other direction, the game is over. It just bounced right to him, mm. right in the right spot. It was incredible to see it. But, you know, the fact that the Celtics were in that spot was just not good. And I think the Heat knew going into game seven that they had them. Yeah. Because, well, the Heat, they had a, a bad game six, too. Like, yeah. that was, it was kind of an ugly game. Yeah. But... At the end, and Jimmy Butler obviously did not play well, and he didn't shoot from the free throw line well. But no. you go back the play before, he, Jimmy Butler gets fouled by Horford, I believe, and he's shooting. Mm-hmm. And it, originally they call it two, and so he would go to the line for two. But I believe Boston challenged it, and so they looked at it, and it was clearly a foul. And they looked and they saw, oh, his feet are behind the line. So it was a three. So Boston kind of screwed themselves there. Joe Mazzola almost cost them the series right there. They did. And, you know, that wasn't the only result, though, that happened from that replay. Because while, you know, they they noticed that he was behind the three-point line, so they did change it to uh, three free throws, which, you know, give Butler credit. He made those ones, Mm -hmm. um, all three of them. 
but they also looked at the clock when that happened. Yeah. And it was originally at 2.4 seconds and they changed it to three seconds left, which normally might not matter that much. But as we just talked about, Derek White needed every single hundredth of a second to yeah. make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> it was just really wild how that happened. A really like astonishing finish, especially when you consider like that was to take it to game seven. Like Boston had done it. Like they had gone into Miami. They had pulled off a miracle there. They were going to, they were going to be the first team out of 150 previous teams to come back from an 0-3 deficit. They were going to do it. Like it was so exciting. And then, wow. then game seven happened. <laughs> well, when I think of the end of game six, I think a lot of people can look at the similarities of that with game six of the 2013 finals with the heat and the Spurs, because you yeah. remember that finals. Yeah. The Ray Allen shot. Yeah. Three, two LeBron's three won't go rebound. Bosch back out to Allen, his three pointer catches, puts up the three. Won't go. Rebound Bosch back out to Allen. His three pointer. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Yeah. And the heat ends up, Winning that yeah, game except, in overtime. Except that the Spurs played well in game seven. They didn't win, but they, they did make a game of it. That's what I was going to say, because the Spurs, the crushing defeat in game six. But a lot of people don't remember that game seven was a really good game. Yeah. But that was a really good game. And so that's why I thought, I didn't think Miami was going to win. But I thought, just thinking back to last year, and Jimmy Butler's press conference, because remember, this, this was the same matchup last year. Uh, so we had enough. Um, next year, we will have enough. And we're going to be right back in the same situation. And uh, we're going to get it done. And game seven was in Miami. And if Jimmy Butler makes that three, they go to the finals instead of the Celtics. Right. That's why I thought he the horrible free throw shooting game he had game six, he wasn't going to miss any of those three free throws. Nope. And so I kind of, so I kind of. Well, and that's, you know what though? That is Jimmy Butler. Like when he stepped up for those three free throws, did you have any doubt that he was going to make all three? Uh, I mean, you know, uh, he's going to make them all. Mm -hmm. Like he just, he, he doesn't look even a little bit nervous, you know, like he's just completely calm and cool and in the moment. Um, and just, you know, Jimmy Butler is, I, you know, there's a lot of talk about Caleb Martin getting the MVP of the series. I uh, should have. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. Except that Jimmy Butler is what makes that team go. Like he, <laughs> That's he true. That's if true. it wasn't for Jimmy Butler, they, you know, but Caleb Martin, yeah. yeah what a find, you know, oh. he's, he's a super important player for them now. Yeah. Well, he averaged 14 points in the playoffs, but he had. 19 points per game in the conference finals, 26 in game seven, and he scored 135 points in that series, which is the most in the last two rounds of the playoffs by an undrafted player in the modern draft era. That's a fact. And this is after scoring, what, nine points a game in the regular season? Yeah. I don't even know if it was that much. Like we talk about we just with the Lakers, and we said we talk about the Heat with these gems. And the Heat, <laughs> they just bring these guys out, and we have no clue who they are, and they look like, you know, they just look insane. Well, some, somehow they get them all to play like they are afraid they're going to be fired tomorrow. 
And they are just all going all out. Like you look at Gabe Vincent, who you know had had a great playoffs. Their point guard, if he he's probably undrafted or second round maybe. And you know he's playing on that ankle. I don't know if you know there was the one play where his shoe fell off. Yeah, yeah. And you saw the apparatus that he has on that ankle. Like he can't move it that much, and it's got to hurt like hell. But he's out there just playing. I, I thought it was fantastic when he. You know, he picks up his shoe and he's holding it and he knocks the ball out with his shoe. And I guess they called that a foul, but I don't, I don't know what the rule is on that. <laughs> it was, it was really wild to see, but like, that was the effort. Like, he's like, okay, my shoe's off. Well, you know what? I'm going to use my shoe then, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's the, the energy and the attitude that the heat brought into the game. Again, just you know, winning when it matters, like, you know, knowing which plays you, you have to make and, and just at, at those times going all out and just getting the job done. Oh, I just love it. Hillbilly. I mean, oh my gosh, I was yeah, so it's, happy last it's night. It's a good time, to, good time to be a Heat fan. And I don't know where the Celtics go from here. It's going to be an interesting off season for them. They've got a huge decision to make with Jalen Brown. I don't think it's really a decision, but you know, they're going to, they're probably going to have to offer him the supermax, which with the new um, collective bargaining agreement, it's going to tie him up. You know, they're not, they're probably going to have to shed some other players. Uh, and then, you know, what did they do with Joe Missoula? Like I personally think they need to fire him. I, I respect him coming back and making it to a conference finals in his first year. But I just, I think hiring him in the first place was a mistake. I think it's really more on Brad Stevens, their general manager, than it is on Joe Missoula. I mean, Joe Missoula, we talked earlier with the Bucks picking Adrian Griffin and how that's kind of risky with an assistant coach. We've never seen him be a head coach before. Mm-hmm. Missoula was that to the nth degree. You know, if you watch an NBA sideline, you have all the players sitting there, and then you usually have about three assistant coaches. Last year for the Celtics, you would have had Ime Udoka, Will Hardy, and Damon Stoudemire out there. They were their three frontline guys, their first row guys. Mm-hmm. Joe Missoula was not even on that front row. He was in the back row, like not even sitting with the players. Like that's the bump that he got, you know, and, and, and the fact that he wasn't really up for it. Like I think Bill Simmons' father calls him second row Joe because that's just <laughs> – like they just plucked them from the audience almost, you know, and that's a really hard thing to do mm-hmm. with a team that, you know, a young team just coming into, you know, their prime is just tough, but I don't think you can keep making that mistake. I think you have to get a veteran coach in there to whip that team into shape. Yeah. Well, you know, they would have liked Will Hardy. I mean, I thought that was the guy, but he left for um, Utah, right? Yeah, before reunited with Danny. Ainge. I mean, that's and I, and I shouldn't be too hard on Brad Stevens because the timing of it just couldn't have been worse for the Celtics. I mean, they lose Udoka right before the season starts. You know, if if they had found out this stuff about Udoka, whatever it is, before Will Hardy had left, they could have kept Will Hardy, and I think they would have won the championship this year. Oh. Bold move there, but <laughs> because we've seen what that guy could do for the Jazz. But that's just the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. I don't know. Let's not talk about it anymore because we got to talk about teams that are actually still playing, Hillbilly. That would be the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat. 
Let's go to our con- let's go to the um, NBA Finals prediction and talk about this matchup a little bit and make our picks because Miami was not ex- nobody expected them to be here. The eighth seed, Denver. I don't know if you remember Hillbilly, but I believe a couple people picked Denver to make the finals on this podcast. Yes, if I, I can I, think I, back two months, I, I believe we were one hundred percent on that. Both yeah. of us. Uh, Santa warned you. Yeah, the team for the East said, uh, forget about that. But for the West. Well, it's difficult to predict that the number eight seed is going to make it <laughs> to the finals. Particularly, if I'm remembering right, I think we made that pick after the play in games. I can't remember. Which, <sighs> no, remember. No, 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 we didn't. We didn't. Okay. But remember, the Heat lost their first play-in game. And they were four minutes away from losing their second one, too. Right. I mean, there's no way anybody could have seen this coming. So not even you and I. So No. The, the people filled with facts couldn't have even. <laughs> so, But we did see what was coming out of the West, and it was that Nuggets team. And you see why we picked them, because they basically ran through the West. And they had, te- or they are going to have 10 days of rest in between their last game against the Lakers and Thursday night, which is the first game of the finals. And there's only three teams who have ever had 10 games of rest in between and between the conference finals and the finals. That would be the 2013 Spurs, the 2017 Warriors, and the 2019 Warriors. Now, the Spurs and the 2017 Warriors won their first game. 2019 Warriors lost their first game. Remember, that was the Raptors series and the injuries that the Warriors were facing. So you can kind of, you know, take a look at that. But there's kind of like this thing around a lot of rest in all sports. And when you're like, well, this team, and in this case, it's the Heat, they just, they've been playing. They're in a rhythm. They are ready to go. The Nuggets haven't been. They might be rusty. But the stats say that doesn't hold up, that the Nuggets aren't going to be rusty. Yeah, and I think you know, they, they, I wouldn't be surprised if they start off a little slow. But um, I think the rest thing really is, is more important with that. You know, Another thing that's been popping up is the last 10 times a team has had more than a week off and they were at home for the first game. They're nine and one. This is true. So they've won nine, lost. They only lost once. And that that exception. Any team. Yeah. And then that exception had Michael Jordan. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, which is a, you know, basically means nine and zero because you cannot count when Michael Jordan was on the other team. But Hillbilly, Jimmy Butler is Michael Jordan's son. Well, I mean, as as much (laughs) as I love Jimmy Butler and respect the hell out of him, um, you know, he is not Michael Jordan. (laughs) Uh, just, but a, a great, mm. great player, anyways. But you know, I think in this case, it's so exacerbated too. I mean, the the amount of sheer exhaustion that Miami, you know, has has put them through now. Like they're that is a really tough series for them to get through. Boston took them to the very limit. It didn't look like it was going to be because you remember that game three, Boston gave up in game three Yep. and you thought, oh, but, and yeah, you thought, oh, both of these series are going to be sweeps and we're going to have 10 days between the conference finals and the finals, which would have sucked. 
But instead we get that. And it helps the Nuggets. And you got to think that the Heat are really tired and it might not help them so much that they played seven games. And, you know, you put all that and then you remember that they're playing in Denver with the altitude where, you know, that's a home court extra advantage there anyways, because the altitude means less oxygen, which means you get tired faster. So you're going to, you know, add that onto the, the already the, the sizable fatigue that Miami has. And it's a, it's a recipe for, for trouble, but hopefully Miami has the right attitude and they can muscle through it, but it's going to make it harder. Yeah. And you're also facing the two-time MVP who now we look back on it and we're like, well, maybe he should have been the MVP again. Who was the only player in the playoffs who was top five in the league in points, rebounds, and assists. He's averaging a triple-double in the playoffs. Last time that happened was actually Russell Westbrook, but he did it for the Wizards. But he has the most triple-doubles in a single postseason. Eight. That's a lot of facts. And He's not done. No, (laughs) we still got a round to go. It's just insane. But you talk about Jokic, and they've had Jokic, and he's stayed healthy. But as we mentioned, the guys around Jokic, and when we talk about how this matchup is going to go, talk about that too, because Miami, or I was reading something, and it, you know, about how Miami is going to cover Jokic. And it's like, you can't stop Jokic. You can only, you have to stop the other guys. What the Suns and the Lakers and the Timberwolves failed to do was stop Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, even. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, guys like these. Yeah. Because Jokic is going to score, even if Jokic scores 40 points, that could be fine for Miami if they can at least contain everybody else. If Jokic scores like 25 points and he, you know, gets double-digit assists because he's dealing it out and Miami can't stop the other players, then that might even be worse than just letting Jokic go off. But that's that's the problem that Denver presents you. Like as mm-hmm. we talked about with the series, you know, look at what happened when the Suns tried that. You know, when <laughs> they tried to say, okay, well, we're just going to try to contain everybody else, you know, and just Jokic can't just beat us by himself. But when you have somebody scoring like 35 points a game or up to 40 points a game on 60% field goal percentage, you can't come back from that. That's such a, I mean, that, that, that's such a massive problem mathematically to overcome. You really, I think the Lakers were better about that. I think they took the smarter approach and they tackled Jokic. And, you know, then because, you know, maybe Jamal Murray won't go crazy. But the problem is that it just leaves so many other players open and Jokic is the best player maybe ever at getting those open players the ball. I mean, he passes like John Stockton, but he's seven feet tall. So he can just pass it over everybody. And the Heat aren't really equipped from a personnel standpoint to do what the Lakers did. I mean, they have Bam Adebayo, who's about as good as it gets defensively, except that he's undersized. He's only Mm 6'9". After him, you don't have another interior defender. 
on that. Oh, part. what are you talking about? Cody Zeller, please. <laughs> okay, Cody Zeller. I, is he is he still on the heat? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they don't, you know, and Kevin Love has been banished to the bench, but you can't yeah. put Kevin Love up there against Jokic. Did they just, the heat are going to be forced to hope that Bam Adebayo can somehow do this against Jokic by himself. And I, I don't think that's going to happen with that size disparity. I'm, I'm worried that Adebayo is going to get into foul trouble pretty quickly. And if Adebayo gets into foul trouble, Jokic is going to score a hundred points because there's nobody else to, to get in his way, you know? And, and yeah. that's a, just a massive problem for them. And if they just overcommit to him, I mean, Jamal Murray is looked, he, you know, you talk about playoff Jimmy playoff Murray is a thing as well. I mean, <laughs> he has taken it up a whole nother level as he just, it's just like it was in the bubble. The last time he was healthy, mm-hmm. he just in the playoffs, he cannot be stopped. Even just looking at the other side of the ball, when you're talking about Bam out watching game seven even game seven and the shots he was taking, he scored 12 points. He scored 11 points in game six. It was, it was kind of frustrating to watch him at times in, in, in those games. He shot 40% from and the he field. Would, he would pass up shots too. That yeah. just like, I mean, he had a, a play um, in game seven where I, I forget who it was, but they flopped on him and it's just wide open. And then he just passes it, which is the worst thing you can do against the good defense. Because if you get a wide open against the good defense, that means everybody else is really well covered. Mm-hmm. So to pass out of that means you're necessarily passing it to a well covered player. And it's just, I don't know, Adebayo has been shy about shooting. And that's, yeah, that's a problem. It just doesn't seem as confident. And when you look at, Jimmy Butler, really, because in game six and the games previously, Boston had kind of figured him out with the shot fake, and he got and he got rid of that in game seven. And he didn't really have that great of a game in game seven compared to what he's had previously, but it, it kind of worked, getting rid of the shot fake in game seven against the defense. And so you talk about the best coach in the league, probably, yeah. Eric Spolstra, and so you have to hope that he can figure out something for Adebayo on offense. Because you need him out there. Well, and that's the thing. And Spolstra is, I think, probably the best coach coaching right now. Now, he's going up against a much better coach than he has been throughout the playoffs so far. Mm -hmm. Like Mike Malone is a really good coach that has had a lot of time to coach this core team up. But Spolstra is on a different level, I I think. I mean, it's, it's absurd. I mean, if you were to take the... Boston Celtics roster and have Spolstra coach it versus second row Joe coaching <laughs> the Heat. Rude. The Celtics yeah. would have swept them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it would have been an absolute massacre. I, I mean, at least I, maybe I'm overblowing it, but I, I really do think the Spolstra is amazing. And I think what he's going to do is what I think he has to do. Like, as you were pointing out, you know, Adebayo's problem is offensively, he can really, you know, he, he not aggressive enough, not shooting well, but he's a really good facilitator in the offense. And I think what they really need to have, they need to have him, you know, playing up 
um, you know, more towards the top of the key. They need to try some like inverse pick and rolls where he's the guy that's getting the screen set for him by a guard, because that's going to pull Jokic out into a different spot than he's used to. And you can trust Adebayo. Like if you did, if you had Jimmy Butler setting a screen for Adebayo, that's a really tough look for a team because Adebayo is really good at passing out of that. Mm-hmm. And it's going to put Jokic in a bad spot. You know, they, I think you're going to see Spolster do like smart things like that because he's just that good of a coach. I don't know that it's going to be able to cover up for the deficiencies. And, you know, I think one of the things that we saw that looked so good throughout these playoffs is that zone that they've been playing. And, you know, the fact that the Celtics just look stupefied by a simple zone. You know, unfortunately for the Heat, though, the according to second spectrum stats, the Nuggets are the second best team in the league against the zone. It's the truth. Because Jokic will just slice it to ribbons. You know, he knows exactly how to handle that problem. Yeah, it's going to be tough. You know, it's really going to be tough. I think everything is so pointing towards the Nuggets having like every advantage. I mean, you know, you look at how how limited a lot of the players on the Heat are, you know, with getting their own shot. Jimmy Butler really has to make that go. Well, the Nuggets just so happened to have a defender who just got done doing a very good job against LeBron James, did a wonderful job against Kevin Durant and Aaron Gordon who is bigger than Jimmy Butler, probably faster, not as good at basketball, but, you know, a hell of a defender. It's just what they need to just sick on an already exhausted Jimmy Butler. I guess the hope is getting Tyler Hero back, which is they're saying Mm -hmm. a possibility that he'll come back at some point because they really need some players that can do more than just a catch and shoot three that can, you know, what they kind of need is to take advantage of Jokic and his, you know, very slow footedness and they need to get him playing up on those switches, you know? So like on a pick and roll, if Jokic, you get switched onto Jokic, you need to have someone that Jokic is going to have to respect their ability to shoot the three off the dribble. And they don't have anybody on the heat. That's really good at that, except for Tyler hero who could do that. And then maybe expose Jokic. But I also worry about that for them because more minutes for him probably means less minutes for players like Caleb Martin and Max Struess. And Tyler Hero is a defensive liability. He's really bad defensively. And those other players for the Heat aren't. And if I worry that they're going to mess up this formula for success that they've had when Hero comes back in and doesn't have the same defensive mentality. So in a way, I almost look at that as being a problem for the Heat. Feels like everything is pointing the Nuggets way, Hillbilly, like you just said. It does, which almost makes it harder to pick the Nuggets. (laughs) (laughs) Because you look at before the Eastern Conference Finals, ESPN Analytics gave the Celtics a 97% chance to win the series. He were up 3-0 in the series, and ESPN was still like, oh, it's 50-50. Which, you know, go back to game seven, everybody's like, ooh. And then game six happens, and Boston somehow wins that game. And you think, everybody thinks that, oh, Miami is, no, everything's pointed against them. But you know what? They won. And so, <laughs> I don't know. Let's, let's get into our uh, predictions here, Hobilly, because I think 
obviously, back, what was it, a month and a half ago, I chose the Nuggets to win the NBA Finals. So, you know, I don't know if I can go against that, even though, even though my team is playing. But I'm just going to give you some stats here to um, back up my decision because I am picking the Nuggets to win the series. If you say so. Miami is 1-9 in their last 10 games against Denver. Their only win was in the bubble. It, it was the first game of the bubble, too. Yeah. It was the very first game. And by the way, a little off track here, but we talk about the bubble kind of like this, you know, one-off, whatever, doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. But we had the same conference finals this year as we did in the bubble. So maybe in the bubble, yep. we just kind of had like the best basketball because there were no other distractions. Maybe. Guaranteed. The last time Miami won in Denver was when Barack Obama was president in November 2016. That's absolutely insane to me. Seven years ago, almost. Denver's really good at home. It's true. Wow. Miami was, their plus or minus was minus 0.3 this season, in the regular season. They averaged 109.5 points per game. They gave up 109.8. They're averaging, I believe, about five points more per game in the postseason, but they're the first team to make the finals with a negative plus minus since at least 1971. Gash facts. Have to take that into account. I don't know. I got the Nuggets, and I'll say Miami will win games three and four at home because I think that's those are the only games they can win. So I've got Nuggets in six. What say you, Hillbilly? I mean, I'm going to go with what I think the logical choice is here. Everything favors, favors the Nuggets. You know, something something else of players that have guarded Jimmy Butler for at least 100 possessions. And I don't have this act, the exact numbers in front of me, but Aaron Gordon is far and away the best defender in the league against Jimmy Butler. He, he shuts them down. Because he's so physically capable of keeping up with them. And yeah, it's just like another thing that is just pointing right at the Nuggets. Like they just have every advantage. So I'm going to pick the Nuggets in the five. Because I just, mm-hmm. I think that the Heat are going to be so tired. They're going to have games where they can't really compete. I don't think they're going to be able to shut down the Nuggets offensive machine. They're not going to be able to do to the Nuggets what they did to the Celtics, where they just kind of muddied everything up. I think Jokic can just keep it moving. And so when the Heat have those offensive lapses that they have, where they really need to hope that their defense can hold them, it's going to be a really tall order against the Nuggets to make that happen. But with all the things that we have talked about, all that might just turn out to only be fuel for Jimmy Butler's fire to piss him off even more and to make him even more angry and just more motivated to do something incredible. And I, you know, I'm going to pick the Nuggets because it's a logical thing to do. And as much as I love Jokic and I've been a huge fan of the Nuggets because I love the way they run their organization. I wouldn't mind seeing the Heat do it because I it would either. just it would be so incredible for them to get to do that. I mean, they would have gone through the number one team in the East in the box, who they just humiliated, then the number two team uh, in the Celtics, and then the number one team in the West, and just it, it really if 
at being the eight seed. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It just well, really would be something. The team, the three teams with the best records this year. Yeah. The eight seed, they're the on, only the second eight seeds ever make the finals. That was the Knicks back in 1999. Knicks didn't win that series, though. And so Miami could do something that no one's ever done and win an eight seed. And when you also look about it, they didn't have the play-in back then. Miami also had to play two play-in games. And they lost one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To they the had Hawks. To play two because they lost one. And they almost lost to the Bulls. Yeah. Ugh. Which is just inexcusable. <laughs> It's insane to think about right now, two months ago. But um, yeah, I saw somewhere online that um, someone thought that a sweep by Denver would um, probably be more likely than a Heat win. And on paper, it would. But in reality, I don't think so. I don't. I, first off, I would love to see Miami win, but um, I don't think they will. Now, I didn't think they'd beat the Bucks or the Celtics, so I think yeah. they absolutely could. It would not shock me at all because of, what, because of everything that's happened. Like on paper, and you look at the numbers and the stats and the facts and all this stuff, and you're just like, it, they, there's no chance. No chance. But in reality, <laughs> they do have a chance. Yeah, I mean, what were we saying you know, about the Heat versus the Bucks before? <laughs> like they didn't have a chance. I mean, they weren't going to, even when Giannis was hurt, it was still the idea like, well, I mean, okay, they still have a better team, even without Giannis. That was completely wrong. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have given them any chance against the Celtics if anybody had asked me. Like, I didn't think they could win that series, but, you know, there it is. So here I am saying the same thing with the Nuggets. <laughs> they don't have any <laughs> yeah. chance. And, you know, I don't know when, you know, when we'll learn, except that, you know, it does things to kind of regress to the main, you know, and statistically like this kind of, this kind of aberrational behavior eventually stops, yeah. you know, I mean, the Heat were one of the worst three point shooting teams in the regular season. And then all of a sudden they turn into the best. <laughs> and I, I don't know, like, we'll, we'll see. I think it'll be. It'd be great for me because I, I love the Nuggets. I would love it if they won. I would love it if Jokic, just all the detractors, just, you know, y'all can just go jump on a lake. Dang. You know, I am the MVP. I am the best player on the planet, which I think pretty much everybody believes that now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even I, a, a Giannis apologist, have to admit I'd take Jokic over Giannis now. It would be fantastic to see. But if they lose, it would be only, it would be about the biggest miracle we've seen in sports. <laughs> the fact, yeah, just the fact that it's not a, um, it's not the, it's not the NCAA tournament. It's not one-offs. It's a seven game series. And the fact that Miami's done this is uh, in a, in three, seven game series where they've been the lesser yep. seed and haven't been favored. And now they're here. And if they can it do it one more time. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. No. You know, I mean, for them, I don't, I don't know if, uh, if an eight seed's ever won in any other major sports, but for that to happen in a best of seven kind of setting, like you said, it's not March Madness where anything can happen in any particular game. You have to sustain the miracle. Mm -hmm. And that is, it's been a pleasure to watch. It has been a ton of fun. Oh I have always been poisoned against the heat because of the stupidity 
stupidity that was rampant during the Heatles time, where you just <laughs> it was hard to live on the planet during that time. Not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. But I got to admit, I have a total convert. Like they just that mix of Pat Riley and Spolstra running the show, like they all know who is in charge. You know, they all know, like, no, nobody thinks they can get Spolstra fired. Pat Riley, you know, has, I don't know if you have heard that story where um, somebody came to Pat Riley to complain about Spolstra and he went down into the locker room, lined all the players up against the wall, like he's going to massacre them and yelled at them, like, don't anybody ever, ever come to talk behind the coach's back to me again. Like, it just doesn't happen here. Story time. Like, that's the kind of power that you need to be as effective as Bolstra is. So it's mm-hmm. it's a pleasure to watch. And I I hope they make a good series of it. I just feel like everything is pointing against them. I hope so. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Everybody wanting the Celtics and Lakers get out of here. Nuggets and Heat is going to be great, I think. You know what? It is. It's going to be fun yep. to watch. That series, the NBA Finals, begins this Thursday, 8.30 Eastern tip-off. All the games are on ABC. Big game alert! All the tip-offs are at 8.30 instead of 9 o'clock now, thank goodness. Yep, loving that. Except for, yeah, except for the Sunday games, which tip off at 8. Game 7, if there is one, would be Sunday, June 18th, Hillbilly. And then we get to the off-season, which might be a little exciting. And it all starts with the NBA draft Thursday, June 22nd with Wembenyama officially going to the Spurs. Well, yeah. I mean, it is amazing how official that already is, <laughs> you know, it's just like, I don't yeah. think, do you see the interviews during the lottery with them where they're, they're not even, there is no pretending like if you go to San Antonio, it's just flat out. You're going to San Antonio, which seems yes. rigged to me, but that's fine. <laughs> now, please come on. Oh, it's going to be fun. Basketball. I'm excited, Hillbilly, not just because it's my team, but I think it's I think it's going to be good. It's, we'll it's been a, it's been a great playoffs. I'm excited for the finals. It's going to be great. Absolutely. All right. So there you go. Our little NBA finals preview fact filled NBA finals preview here on the Xander's Facts podcast with, of course, our Xander's Facts senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly. Hillbilly, once again, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me on again. Xander's Facts. Oh my goodness, y'all. Thanks once again to Hillbilly for coming on the podcast. That's all the facts I have for basketball. I know. I would love for the Miami Heat to win. I don't. I just don't know. Denver Nuggets. I think it's going to be a really good series, though. Lots of fun basketball in the next two weeks. But those are all the facts that I have for this week's edition of the podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. And remember that if you like the Xander's Facts podcast, if you think you're going to like all the facts on this week's edition, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 107, rate and review the podcast, then check us out on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Xander's Facts, that is Xander with a Z, and most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, spread the facts, Xander's Facts podcast, tell all your friends about the podcast about the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts, about Xander's Facts on YouTube. All our new episodes get published to YouTube with a nice background. Go watch, subscribe, do all that. And then check out the Xander's Facts link tree because it has all the Xander's Facts links that you need. Episode 107, that's a wrap. 
Episode 108 is coming up next week. It's a very special podcast because I'm warning you all now that 5 a.m. Wednesday morning, episode 108 will not be on your podcast feeds. I know, very sad. But we're recording episode 108 on Wednesday of next week because we are talking soccer because it's the end of the club season in Europe. And we got a lot of other stuff to talk about in soccer, too. So, we're bringing on our Xander's Facts soccer analyst, Emma Adams. She's coming back on the podcast next week to talk about everything soccer. And we're recording that podcast next Wednesday, which means it's going to be out next Thursday. So, Thursday, June, first week of June, Thursday, June 8th, is when that podcast is going to come out, episode 108, just to let you all know. Because there are going to be facts next week. They're just coming a day later. I know. I'm sorry. But you know what? There's going to be a lot of them. So it's going to be well worth the wait. Episode 108. Soccer podcast. Oh, it's going to be a good one. I got a lot of things to talk about, y'all. Cool facts, bro. Coming up next week on the podcast. But that is it. That is a wrap for episode 107 of the Xander's Facts Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see y'all with episode 108 next week. Not two, not three, not four, not five, not six.